Hi and welcome to the Chad Show podcast. I'm Chad, your host. We are going to listen to a special program right now. I hope you are blessed by these programs. You can find me on your favorite podcast platform. You can find access to them to these podcasts on Google Podcasts, the Anchor app, Spotify, and on YouTube. I will link each in the description box below. All you need to do is to type in the search bar of Google and type in the Chat Show Podcast. Alright, now let's go to the podcast and I'll see you there. Aloha. is fake because that's exactly what they these people are doing it doesn't matter who's preaching they'll go back to the bible and check verify from the bible that what was spoken to them was truth and they're basically saying the determinant of truth is scriptures if it lines up with scripture it's true if it doesn't line up with scripture it is not true that's very simply the mindset of the berean church Excellent and we also know this 11. great verse here from Second uh, Timothy three sixteen. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and what is Scripture profitable for? For doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness. That's why we study both, because we are uh, we know that all these four things are for our good. They will. They are profitable for our well-being. They are profitable for our livelihood. Doctrine, reproof, correction, and for instruction in righteousness. Ellen G. White goes on further and talks about Bible study, and this is what she says. The Bible is second to no other book. It is without a rival. A knowledge and acceptance of its teachings not only a knowledge, knowledge and acceptance. Acceptance here, put a bracket after that, obedience. A knowledge and acceptance of his teachings will impart vigor and health of mind. A comprehension of his teachings requires the student to grasp the knowledge of God's infinite word. The word of God teaches men and women how to become sons and daughters of God. And she continues, no other book, no other book, no other study can equal this. The principles it instills, like the power and nature of its author, capital A, are omnipotent. It is capable of imparting the highest education. Not any education, the highest education to which the mortal mind can attain. Letter 6490. Powerful, isn't it? Then she said, it is not safe for us to turn from the Holy Scriptures with only a casual reading of their sacred pages. You know, this casual reading, I'm, I'm, I'm mindful of the fact that 
we as a church, we really, really uh, hone in on Bible study. We have the devotion. We have the Sabbath school. Then, of course, we have, you know, the divine service. And what we're doing now is, is kind of extra. But Ellen White is telling us here, a casual reading of the sacred page is not good enough. And she says, rain the mind up to a high test. The word she uses, rain, is what is used for a racehorse who's trying to go right and you're trying to pull it to go left. A carnal mind wants to do something else. But Ellen Dwight is saying, rein the mind up to a high task that has been set before it. The, our mind carnally wants to go the low, the low road. It's the easier road. It's the fun road. It's the road of fame. Rain the mind up to the high task that has been set before it and study with determined interest, determined interest, that you may understand the divine truth. Those who do this will be surprised to find to what the mind can attain. You'll see instruct, June 29, 1893. And then of course she gives us this warning. I as a Bible teacher have got to be mindful of this, that I don't usurp the standing of God in front of my students. We should not take the testimony of any man, including your Bible teacher today, as to what scriptures teach, but should study the words of God for ourselves. So back to the Berean thing, whatever I go through, the Berean principle of Berean mindset says, go back to scriptures, check what has been, what, what we have gone through. Does it line up with scriptures? If they do, follow it. If not, discard it. We should not take the testimony of any man as to what the scriptures teach, but should study the words of God for ourselves. If we allow others to do our thinking, we shall have crippled energies and contracted abilities. Steps to Christ, page 89. Amen? So what is truth? How do you define truth, folks? Chad and Carol, welcome. We just started. So what is truth? Any thoughts? Jesus. Sorry, what is that? Jesus. Jesus. Amen. 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 It's funny how the dictionary, the online dictionary, defines truth. It says, it's the quality or state of being true. This is kind of like, uh, Lori would know this, kind of like the Kala answer. If I were to ask, what is true? Kala would give me this uh, this definition, right? The quality or state of being true, okay? Or just being true, Kala would say. That's how Kala would answer that. And uh, so, a private joke that goes in the Bible study. This, this is a true Kala response. Is that? <laughs> if you ask, what is unbelief? It's not having belief. You know? <laughs> And I know she pulls my leg at times, that's just of mine. Not a watcher. And then it goes on, online dictionary says, truth is that which is true or in accordance with what? Fact or reality. This is to me the, the absolute definition of truth. It's either a fact or a reality. Now, then it gives us another definition. This has just recently come in because look at what he says. A truth is a fact or belief or belief 
that is accepted as true. So in other words, what this thing, this definition of the third one says, that if enough people believe that is true, accept it, enough people accept it, then it should be, it would be taken as true. And so that's how the dictionary <laughs> defines it. And I have told you my biases towards the third one, the, the second one, that which is true or in accordance with fact or reality. How does the Bible define truth? Let's go to these three verses, John 14, 6, John 17, 17, and 1 John 5, 6. First one right here, John 14, 6. And that's why Sims answered is the truth is Jesus. Because Jesus said here, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. So basically Jesus is saying, I am the truth. Amen. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. You know, and um, this this uh, verse has often been abused because a lot of people say, well, if you do not know Jesus, then you cannot be accepted by the Father, according to this verse. But what is Jesus saying here? He is the truth. So if you can come to the truth, the truth, Ellen White tells us in Steps to Christ, how do we get to the truth? Nature, revelation, providence, guidance of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You may not know Jesus as Jesus, but you can still come to the truth other ways. This verse has a shelf life. Why do I say this? Because after the 1,000 years in heaven, everybody would have known Jesus. This verse comes with fullest, fullest impact. Right? You won't have to depend on nature or anything else to know Jesus. You will know that he is the truth after the 1,000 years. Even those who have gotten to heaven through you know, other means like that, of other revelations and things like that. 1717. So John 14:6 says that Jesus is the truth. John 17, 17 says the word is truth. The Bible is truth. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. The word of God is truth. Remember, this is Jesus' prayer to the Father. So the word of God is truth. Jesus is truth. The word of God, as we know it today, the Bible, is truth. How about 1 John 5, 6? You find here this, right at the very bottom of this verse, it says, the Spirit, or the Holy Spirit, is truth. So we have three verses here that says, Jesus Christ is truth, the word of God is truth, and the Holy Spirit is truth. So wherever there is truth, these three are all present. Wherever there is truth, these three all agree. And they always agree. Some people say, I've just been impressed by the Holy Spirit to do this. I tell them, be careful. 
Yeshua is the right spirit. And he says, well, uh, how do we know? I says, the Bible. The Bible tells us, test those spirits. The Bible clearly tells us, test all spirits. It's very easy for us to say, you know, I've been impressed by the Holy Spirit to do this. I said, you can very, be very sure that you, it's the right spirit that impressed him. The only way you can check that is go to the Bible. And you can see why I'm not very popular amongst a lot of circles. Because I, 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 I just want to keep everybody honest about this. I just want to keep everybody honest about this issue. Be very sure. And you say you're being led by the Spirit, that the right Spirit is leading you. And the only way to check it is to the Word. To the law and to the testimony, they speak. Not according to this, there's no light. Amen. Amen. Okay. Christ is the truth. Amen. Spirit of prophecy. Christ is the truth. His words are truth, and they have a deeper significance than appears on the surface. Stop right there. What is that, what is that second sentence implying? His words are truth, Christ's words are truth, and they have a deeper significance than appears on the surface. Uh, like a pearl, we must go deep, we must go down, under. Man, in order to man. of truth. And how do we go deeper than what he tells us? I just gave you a hint two minutes ago. The book of Isaiah says, verse upon verse, line upon line. We dig deep in the Bible on the same topic. And when Jesus tells us this, we go to the Bible to see what he says on the same topic in other places. We dig deeper. That's how we dig deeper. We dig deeper by studying the Bible even deeply. Allowing the Holy Spirit to lead us. Amen? All right, good. All the sayings of Christ have a value beyond their unpretending appearance. When you see, you know, when Jesus says, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. He goes on. Take my yoke upon you. Drink deep into that. What other verses talk about this, this theme? And then we get a better understanding of what Jesus is saying. When Jesus gave us these words, he is fully aware that we have our limitations as human beings. We have our limitations as new believers. And so he gives us piece by piece. He doesn't flood us with all the knowledge. Right? And as we eat, we grow stronger. And what do we do? We eat more, we go even stronger. Are constantly feeding on the word to get strong. Amen. Here's the key. Minds that are quickened by the Holy Spirit. Remember, we just learned that Jesus is the truth, his word is the truth. Now comes the third truth. The Holy Spirit is the truth. First John 2 5. I mean second John, first John 5, 6. Second John 5, 6. Minds, first John 5, 6. Minds that are quickened by the Holy Spirit will discern the value of these saints. They will discern the precious gems of truth 
though these may be buried treasures. Remember the parable Jesus talked about this guy who bought up a whole thing so that he can dig and look for the treasure that he knows is in the field, but he doesn't know where. But he had to dig all around to find it. And he says, this is how we study the Bible. You've got to search, dig deeper, deeper. Don't be satisfied with what, what you've just, you know, what you've just learned today. Go deeper. Learn, learn more. Allow the Holy Spirit to guide you into the Holy Word. Line upon line, verse upon verse. These may be buried treasures. I cannot emphasize that. A lot of buried treasures in the Bible. Only those who dig and persist in digging will find them. Human theories and speculations will never lead to an understanding of God's will. Those who suppose that they understand philosophy think that their explanations are necessary to unlock the treasures of, of knowledge and to prevent heresies from coming into the church. But it is these explanations, look at the audio being warned here. It is these explanations that have brought in false theories and heresies. Men have made desperate efforts to explain what they thought to be intricate scriptures, but too often their efforts have only darkened that which they tried to make clear. That's sobering, right? Sometimes in our zeal to understand, we go beyond Deuteronomy 29, 29. What does Deuteronomy 29, 29 say, folks? Anyone remember? The secret things belong to God. And only those things that are revealed are revealed for, the, for our purpose, right? To keep the word, obey. Be careful not to go beyond what God has revealed. I know it's, 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 it's uh, tempting to try and explain something. Ah, oh, now I finally get what he's saying. When people say that, uh, there was a Bible study once. In fact, somebody was teaching Bible uh, Sabbath school. And he interpreted the verse. A verse that during the, my study in the, during the, the previous during the week, I found that even Ellen G. White was quiet on it, or silent on it. And he, took, he used the verse to try to link, to explain this. I just said, I, you know, I just raised my hand. I said, I'd just like to point out, folks, that Ellen G. White was silent on this verse. SDA Bible commentary is silent on it. Ellen G. White is silent. <laughs> You see what I'm saying? Why? Because I'm mindful of this kind of stuff. Human theories and speculations. Those who suppose that they understand philosophy think that their explanations are necessary to unlock treasures of knowledge and to prevent heresies from coming to the church. But it is these explanations, explanations that go beyond the bound of what has been revealed to us of Revelation. It is these explanations that have brought in false theories and heresies. Men have made desperate efforts to explain that they, what they thought to be intricate scriptures, but too often their efforts have only darkened that which they tried to make clear. The priests and the Pharisees thought they were doing great things as teachers by putting their own interpretation on the word of God. But Christ said of them, ye know not the scriptures, 
neither the power of God. He charged them with the guilt of teaching for doctrines, the commandments of men. Watch this next one, folks. Though they were teachers of the oracles of God, though they were supposed to understand his word, they were not what, folks? Doers of the word. One of the things that we need to test ourselves is when something is being revealed to us, are we obeying it? Do not try to, to interpret a verse if you have not been obeying that verse. Amen? They were not doers of the word. What, what then happened? Satan had blinded their eyes that they should not see its true import. This is the work of many in our day, Elder Joyce says. Many churches are guilty of this sin. What sin is that? Pretending to understand the word and not doing it. There is danger, great danger, that the supposed wise men of today will repeat the experience of the Jewish teachers. They falsely interpret divine oracles, and souls are brought into complexity and shrouded in darkness because of their misconception of the divine truth. The scriptures need not be read by the dim light of traditional human speculation. We don't need any other light to, you know, the, the, the traditional or human speculation to explain scriptures. Scriptures must be allowed to interpret themselves. The one thing that I like about reading Ellen G. White is because she does exactly this. She digs deep into scripture and finds scripture that we, you and I would not have linked. With, with, with the scripture that we are studying. But she's able to find it. Why? Because she's allowed her life to be led by the Holy Spirit to guide her. Verse upon verse, line upon line. As well might we try to give light to the sun with a torch as to explain the scriptures by human traditional imagination. God's holy word needs not the torching glimmer of earth to make his glories distinguishable. It is light in itself, the glory of God revealed, and beside it, every other light is dim. The word, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, they are all truth. It is the truth. We all need the truth that works by love and purifies the soul. What else does the truth do? What is sanctification? It is to give oneself wholly and without reserve, soul, body, and spirit to God. To deal justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with God, to know and to do the will of God without regard to self or self-interest, to be heavenly minded, pure, unselfish, holy, and without spot of sin. Alan G. White is quoting from so many areas here, so many parts. Soul, body, and spirit. Remember the rich young ruler that came to Jesus? What shall I do to gain eternal life? 
how did Jesus expound the commandments to him? What was the first one? What is the first? Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with what? Thy heart. Yep, it's basically a rephrase of this soul, body, and spirit. All of it. First commandment. And now how about this one here? To love mercy and to walk humbly before God. Where, where, do, where does that phrase come from? Isaiah 58. Isaiah 58. Isaiah 58 is basically God is saying, you claim that you keep the first commandment, but you're, the way you treat your neighbor is telling me that you're not. Isaiah 15 is just a second commandment. I shall love the neighbor, thy neighbor, as God loves you, basically. And we say, as you know, as you love yourself. You will know how to love yourself unless God has loved you. But then you'll know what true love is. Human kind of love is warped, dangerous, self-serving. Agape love is outward going. Does not depend on who is who is being loved. Depends on who is doing the loving, or who is controlling the one who loves. To know and to do the will of God without regard to self or self-interest, to be heavenly minded, pure, unselfish, holy, and without spot or stain. Ah. From there, quickly jumps to Revelation. 144,000. <laughs> Follow the lamb with us wherever he goes, right? No guile found in their mouth. That's what sanctification is, right? Now check this out. It is through the truth. Here we go. The value of truth. It is through the truth. Jesus' life, his word, Holy Spirit. It's through the truth. By the power of the Holy Spirit, it comes that we are to be sanctified. This, the truth sanctifies us. John 17, 17. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. It is through the truth by the power of the Holy Spirit that we are to be sanctified, transformed into the likeness of Christ. Mm -hmm. And in order for this change to be wrought in us, there must be an, check this out, Unconditional, wholehearted acceptance of, here it comes again, the truth. Christ, the life of Christ, the word, word of Christ, word of God, Holy Spirit. And in order for this change to be wrought in us, there must be an unconditional, wholehearted acceptance of the truth and unreserved surrender of the soul to its transforming power. Our characters are by nature warped and perverted. By nature. Through the lack of proper development, they are wanting in symmetry. Very one said is, is, is our lives. We, we focus on certain things and discard some others or even ignore some others. And then you watch it, no, the Christian life, the sanctified life is a very symmetrical life, very balanced. 
all aspect. With some excellent qualities are with some excellent qualities are united, objectional strengths. Unsymmetrical. Some good parts, yet some not so good parts are still hanging on. And through wrong indulgence, indulgence, wrong tendencies have become second nature. You see, the, the thing about sin is this. If you've done it long enough, it doesn't appear sinful anymore. It appears normal. Through long indulgence, wrong tendencies become second nature. And many persons cling tenaciously to their peculiarities. This is not the peculiar thing that's talked about in the Bible, you know, be a peculiar people. No, this is the sinful peculiarities. Even after they profess to accept the truth, to yield themselves to Christ, the same old habits are indulged, the same self-esteem is manifested, the same false notions entertained. Although such ones claim to be converted, it is evident that they have not yielded themselves to the transforming power of the truth, life of Christ, God's word, Holy Spirit. Where are we today, folks? Are we surrendering to the Holy Spirit so that he can do this? Holy Spirit will only point to two things, the word of God and tell us, look at the life of Christ. Look at what he did with the cross. Look at how he went through Gethsemane. Anytime we think we are in suffering, the Holy Spirit says, oh, oh, hold on now, my child. Go to Gethsemane. He had, the he, had the he, had he had the choice there to save you or to forego the, the, the power, the, 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 the torture, the torment that he was going through. But he said, not my will, Lord. Father, not my will, your will. Why? For you and me, folks. If the one who is thus misinterpreting Christ could know what harm had been wrought by the faults of character which he has excused and cherished, he would be filled with horror. Some of us, some of us are not fully aware of the damage that we are doing because we are not ridding ourselves of some of these sins that are just hanging on to us. What could they be? Unforgiving nature. An unforgiving nature can be very, can be covered and hidden very, very smartly with a shroud of righteousness. Be very careful, folks. The holier than thou. About the, about the quiet, the silent anger. The anger that we feel while we are smiling. <laughs> huh? Only you and God know that. We should be filled with horror. Only after we've allowed the Holy Spirit to really expose all our weaknesses to us and we realize the horror movie that we are showing others. Unintentional. Let none feel that their way needs no changing. 
Let me rephrase that. Let none feel that you are already perfect. None can walk safely unless they are, here my favorite term here, distrustful of self. Never trust yourself. No matter how long you've been to church, no matter how many things you've been doing for God, that don't trust yourself. None can walk safely unless they are distrustful of self and are constantly looking to what, folks? The truth, the word of God. Studying it with willing heart to see their own errors. Next time you study the word, forget about thinking about what message or what study you're going to give others. Think about what the word is telling you about some of the things that you need to clean up in your life, our life. Next Bible study said, Lord, I want to dedicate this Bible study, Lord, so that you can expose to me, Lord, all my weak points, Lord, and give me the solution, Father, please, in Jesus' name I ask. Studying it with willing heart to see their own errors and to learn the will of Christ and praying that it may be done in and by and through them. They show that their confidence is not in themselves, but in Christ. They hold the truth as a sacred treasure. The truth, sacred treasure. Able to sanctify and refine. And they are constantly seeking to bring their words and ways into harmony with its principles. Sacred treasure. This reminded of this guy that I am that I know, and some of you know that I used to, I used to collect watches. Now this guy's collection makes my watches look like uh, fake watches, the one that you give kids, uh, you know, you know, the plastic one, they don't even move. Right? This guy has got some of the most expensive watches that I know. But you know what folks, where do you, how, how do you think he keeps his watches safe? folks? Anybody get a guess? Because he's so sacred to him. Where does he keep them? Safety deposit box in the bank. Yeah. So whenever he needs to wear one, he changes to the last place he'll go to is to the bank, <laughs> go to the safety deposit, you know, bring the watch that he wants to wear, and then go. That's how sacred he looks at these watches. Look at what the Lord is telling us here to writing Valentine White. They show that their confidence is not in themselves, but in Christ. They hold the truth as sacred treasure. How sacred is the truth to you? How sacred is the truth to us? Are we doing all that we can so that nobody can take it away from us? Should be. That is from Our High Calling, page 212. Amen? Our High Calling, 212, page 212. What effect does the truth have on us? Amen. Let's read John 8, 31 and 32. And Jesus, that said Jesus to those Jews who believed on him, if ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth. And what will the truth do? And the truth shall make you free. And the truth shall make you free. I have to remember this as saying, and the truth shall set you free. But set you free doesn't do justice to the word. 
to what is being said here. The truth shall do what, folks? It'll make you free. In other words, you are recreated before you become free. Did you check? Did you get that? Amen? Yeah, powerful, powerful. Uh, I mean, I, I, I used to say that. In fact, I remember a time I was looking up in, in my uh, concordance. How come I cannot find this verse? Uh, I, I was searching the phrase, shall, shall set you free, shall set you free. The Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says, it'll make you free. I was thinking, man, the first time I heard this, somebody used the word set, and it's confused my mind forever until I found the truth. No, it'll, it shall recreate you free. Powerful. The of Jesus, the Word of God, the Holy Spirit. The, these three will make you and I free. Praise be to God. Amen. What does the truth make us free from? Shame. Very good. Look at the SDA Bible Commentary, Volume 5, page 19. The glorious truths of the gospel had been foreshadowed in the writings of Moses and the prophets. You know, Paul was so enamored by what, uh, what Moses wrote. And, and what the prophets wrote that he says, the Old Testament era was one of glory. I mean, these guys had it right. right? You know that the new era will, will, will far exceed it. But check this out. But many of the truths concerning the religion of Jehovah had been obscured by what? The inventions of Jews. Human mind. Human interpretations. The minds of the people were blinded and the veil was over their hearts when they read the Old Testament. They were bound by the burdensome traditions of the elders and by their own sins. This is why they couldn't understand. And this is what Jesus says, the truth will make you free. Free from what? Free from human traditions, free from human interpretation, and free from sins. Amen. 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 Jesus came to set them free. To those who accepted the truth, he promised liberty. So the truth came to set us free from human human traditions, human interpretations, and our own sinfulness. The truth will make us free, not set us free. Amen. 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 Make us free. Amen. Amen. Praise be to God for that. How does the truth make us free then? By accepting it, believing it. Very good. Very good. Christ, his character and work is the center and circumference of all truth. Amen. Check this out. His character and work is the center and circumference of all truth. He is the chain upon which the jewels of doctrine are linked. In him is found the complete system of truth. Good to see you, sis, Kala. Hi, I'm sorry. Happy Sabbath. 
those who walk, is what Brother Simona is alluding to, those who walk in obedience will know what truth is. What's the opposite of that sentence? Those who disobey will never know the truth. Mm. Amen? Amen. Those who walk in obedience. So when the Bible said, Enoch walked with God, and he was not, but God took him away. The Bible is actually saying, Enoch walked in obedience with God. Here it is. He just didn't, didn't go for a casual walk. He walked in obedience with God. That's what it means. In order to know the truth, we must be willing to obey. So folks, if you're studying a Bible verse and it's, it's not getting new, it's not, you're not getting there, right? You're not getting something, you're missing it. Maybe you need to obey what you're trying to understand. In order to know the truth, we must be willing to obey. Whatever light has been revealed to us, folk, maybe let's walk into it. You know the, the great verse in Psalm, Psalm 119, verse 105, what does it say? The light, huh? Okay. The word is here, the light, the lamp. Oh, thy word is a lamp. Right? I didn't know the meaning of this until Somebody told me, he said, John, you won't understand this verse until you've gone down to a mine, like a gold mine, a mile down to the earth, and let them turn the light off. I said, oh, what do you mean? He said, John, when there's no light, you cannot even see the tip of your nose. Completely dark. Then all of a sudden, somebody turns a lantern on, or torch, and he says, what good is that torch, John, then, unless you step into where the torch is shining and then you go further? There's no point in shining the torch five yards ahead because you, you do not know what between where the torch is and where you, where you are. The torch is only going to go far enough for you to step into. That's what obedience is like. That's what the, 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 that's what the, the Lord expects out of us. When he sheds the light to us, step into it and he'll give us more light. So if we are not understanding something that God is trying to teach us, folks, maybe, maybe, I pray that it's not. Maybe we are not walking in the light already revealed. That's why the Lord is not revealing any more light to us. Mm. Those whose affections are placed on the world are not willing to give up their plans for the plans of Christ. They walk in darkness, not knowing whither they go. So where should the truth reside? Amen. Someone on nine. Verse 30, I have chosen the way of truth. Thy judgments have I laid before me. I've underlined, I've highlighted the phrase, chosen the way 
of truth. Remember that great instruction from Joshua to the people. Choose you this day. Choose you this day. What did he, what was he actually saying? He described it. Choose you this day what? Whom will you serve? Whom you will serve. And the Lord says, those people that the God that, that, that God loves the most are those who serve him with all their completed heart. Heart. When we obey God, when you obey the truth, when we allow the truth to guide us, we have basically made the truth our guiding light and we've stored it in our hearts. My wife should not feel slighted when I tell her that my heart is dominated by God first and foremost. Because I have learned throughout 40 years of marriage that when I keep God first, He makes me love my wife more. He makes me cherish her more. He makes me respect her more. All begins first with God as number one. Sometimes I tell my wife, hey, number two to God is not bad, you know. I found this out in my 40 years of marriage. When I turn my heart completely to God, He teaches me how to truly love correctly, love deeply, to love unselfishly, loving without expecting anything in return. That's what He teaches me. Amen. 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 Why should the truth reside in the heart? So we've understood that correctly. So why should it reside in the heart? To change us, transform us. Okay, change and transform us. Pretty good, let's look. The cause of God needs men and women who will stand on the platform of truth without wavering and who will hold the banner of truth firmly aloft so that no man can fail to see on which side that they are standing. Their position is clearly defined. Their hearts are to be pure, holy, free from pretense or deception. You see, when only the truth resides in the heart, that's all you can show. And this, this, this is what testimony is. This is what evangelism is in its most fundamental and yet most powerful way when they see Christ in our heart. That's where the truth should reside. Why? Because then they will see us. When Jesus says, if I be lifted up, I shall draw all men unto me. That's what he means. He says, keep me in your heart first and foremost. You will be talking about me even when you don't realize it, because that's the only thing in your heart. When someone... 
someone tells you, man, God bless you for your, your wife and, and your kids and your grand, grandkids. And you say, praise be to God. The only way I, the only reason I've got them is because he gave them to me. It's his gift to me. It's always back to him, always back to him. Folks, it's funny when I was working, how many times I say amen during a business meeting when somebody says something truly. And people go like, oh, John again. <laughs> they make a good point and say, amen. Busy <laughs> meeting at the bank, you know. <laughs> but that, I, I, it just came out. It just came out. <laughs> but you know what, folks? There is no hidden agenda. They know what, what, where I stand. They don't expect you to go, come to work on Sabbath. Can you imagine that big bank? Never worked on Sabbath. I told them, I said, you know, and to, to the point where that somebody is thinking, oh, you know, let's have a meeting. One of the bigger, bigger, bigger bosses of last chairs will say, well, John will not be able to attend that if you have that meeting today. Do you need him? Oh, yeah, yeah, we need him today. Have it on another day. I hear this later on and they tell me, they, oh, man, we changed the meeting date because of you. I said, no, you, you guys can have a meeting without me if you want to. So oh, no, 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 we need you. I said, okay, that, thank you. When you make a stance for God, God takes care of you, folks. Trust me on this. He takes care of you. I was giving a presentation a couple of PowerPoint presentation like this, business presentation, Friday afternoon. And you know me, I'm rolling. I'm rolling. All of a sudden, the vice chair said, oh, let's stop here. I said, uh, is anything wrong? He said, well, John, according to my calculation, if you leave now, by the time you get home, you'll still have one hour to prepare for Sabbath. A non-Seventh-day Adventist reminding a Seventh-day Adventist, stop this presentation because the Sabbath is about to come. Okay. Folks, floored me. Floored me. What the Lord can do. Everybody, you should see the, the looks of... I'm like, my, if somebody had taken a picture of me, my jaw almost dropped to the floor when I heard that from him. He's reminding me. He says, I don't want you to be late for the Sabbath. I know how important the Sabbath is for you. Folks, that was before the zip, zip lane. <laughs> I mean, he, 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 he worked it out. He knew, he said, no, let's talk now. We, we, we can continue this later. And I just looked up and said, Lord, praise be to God. The truth must find an abiding place in the heart. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, it will exert its influence in all you do and say is. Seems to say, it begins to change you. All that you do and say Shall we try to keep the truth out of sight? No, 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 not for a moment. It is to be sacredly, sacredly regarded. Its principle has to, has to be consulted in all your transactions. It is to be a counselor in all your difficulties, a guide in all your relations of life, a present help in every time of need. 
in public, in private, where, the, where, where no human eye can see, where no ear but God can hear, there the truth should control us, directing our thoughts, prompting our words and deeds. You may show to the world that the truth which you profess sanctifies and ennobles the character and leads to industry and frugality. See this thing here, folks? The truth gives us these two great, great attributes. Industry and frugality. What are the two easier words for this? What's the, what's the more simpler word for industry? Truth will lead to what? Hard work. What's frugality? What's frugality? Economize. Yes, absolutely. Being wise with what you have. Being a smart steward. Being like Joseph. In the, in the times of plenty, store up the stuff for the, the time of famine. That's what frugality means. Smart, being smart in, in, in managing means. While it avoids avarice, overreaching, and every species of dishonesty. In your words, manifest patience and forbearance. And you may every day be preaching a sermon upon the power of truth and to effect your service to the cause of God. Let no one say that the truth you profess makes you no different from the world. Do not give the least occasion for anyone to speak ill of your faith because you are not sanctified to the truth. When the truth as it is in Jesus molds our characters, it will be seen to be truth indeed. As it is contemplated by the true believer, it will grow brighter, shining in its original beauty and as we behold it, it will increase in value, brightening in its own natural loveliness, quickening and vivifying the mind, subduing our selfish, unchristlike coarseness of character. It will elevate our aspirations, enabling us to reach the perfect standard of holiness. Amen. Uh, Amen. I've got all the, when I send you, you'll notice that I got, I've got all the references in uh, right beside it. And you'll see the letter 30 and the manuscript 138-97. Okay, let's close up by coming to this last one. Joy in the truth. Psalm 86-11. Teach me thy way, O Lord. I will walk in thy truth. Unite my heart to fear thy name. I will walk in thy truth. This is a choice statement. Teach me the way, O Lord. I will walk. I will choose to walk in thy truth. In other words, you love. The reason you're choosing that is because you love. I will walk in thy truth. It's a very key thing to understand in that phrase. How does joy come with the truth? Say with your whole heart, I will walk in thy truth. Every resolution expressed in the fear of God will give strength to purpose and to faith. It will tend to stimulate and to humble, to strengthen and confirm. I will walk in thy truth. Walk in thy truth. Let that be our mantra. Lord, I'll walk in thy truth. Help me to do that. Truth deserves our confidence nonetheless 
because the world is flooded with fables. We need to walk in the truth more now because there's just so much untruth out there. Because error and counterfeit are in circulation. It only evidences the fact that there is truth, genuine truth, somewhere. Where should that somewhere be? In you and me. That you've seen us. How else will they know the truth? Because some of them don't even know that what they're believing in is not true. It is not enough for us to hear the truth only. God requires of us obedience. Blessed are they that hear the word of God and keep it. That's Luke eleven twenty eight. If ye know these things, heavy are ye if ye do them. We may walk in the enjoyment of the truth. It need not be to us a yoke of bondage, but a consolation, a message to us of glad tidings, of great joy, animating our hearts, causing us to make melody in our hearts unto God. Through patience and comfort of the scriptures. Notice how these three keep on coming up, right? The life of Christ, the Word, the Holy Spirit. These are all truths. Through the patience and comfort of the scriptures, the Christian hope is not doomed. Comforts. Oh, no, no. It does not shut us up in prison of doubts and fears. The truth makes free of those who love and are sanctified through. They walk in the glorious liberty of the sons of God. Precious truth. Great verse to memorize, folks. Very short verse. Proverbs 23, 23. Not very many verses have 20, you know, same numbers. One of them, Deuteronomy 29, 29. Here's one of them. Proverbs 23, 23. By the truth and sell it. That's, that's part that you really need to remember. By the truth, sell it. Spend all that you can to obtain the truth. And once you have it, never sell it. Keep it. Also, wisdom and instruction and understanding. How should we regard the truth? The truth is precious. It has wrought important changes upon the life and character, exerting a masterly influence over words, deportment, thoughts, and experience. The religion of Jesus Christ never degrades the receiver. If it finds men and women earthly, common, coarse, unkind in words, harsh in speech, selfish and self-carry, truth received in the heart commences its purifying refining process. In words, in breast, in all our habits, there is seen reformation in those things that please God. Then all the world may see its influence in the transforming process. Truth refines the taste, sanctifies our judgment, it elevates and ennobles, and is silently, constantly doing its leavening work till the whole being is cleansed and made a vessel unto one under the operation of the Holy Spirit. Here's the other one. Life of Christ, the Word, Holy Spirit. They're all described in the Bible as the truth. Under the operation of the Holy Spirit, to make the receiver of truth fit for the society of people.
pure, sinless peace. The salvation which was purchased for humanity at such an infinite cost should be held in the most precious vessel by every believer. That which is of such value should ever be highly regarded and not cheap and made common by the coarseness and roughness retained by those who receive the truth. Truth as it is in Jesus is not cold and lifeless and formal. Truth is full of warmth, of evidence from the presence of Jesus. We have a message to bear to the world. It involves a cross. The truths are unpleasant because they require self-denial and self-sacrifice. The truth should be unpleasant only because they require self-denial and self-sacrifice. Then how essential that those who bear the truth as they speak the truth faithfully shall by every word and act show that the love of Christ moves them. Truth is always lovely and those who live the truth as it is in Jesus should study how to present the truth so that its loveliness may appear. Understand the truth? Study also how you should present the truth so that its loveliness may appear. Treasure the truth above everything else. Sell it not for any price. Praise be to God for that, folks. Amen. Yeah. Questions, comments? Now we went a little bit over time. 3.13. But uh, I found this as I was studying it, uh, preparing it. So invigorating it, uh, it clarified a lot of the misunderstandings that I had. You know, like the, that, that particular verse, the truth will make you free, not set you free. It'll make you free. The, it, it, different said, the word of the, the Bible said, truth will make you free. It didn't say truth will set you free. Setting you free is, means that you're set free, but who you are is who you are. Making you free is different. The freedom comes in the your remake, your, rec your recreation the character of Christ. That's what truly makes you free. Amen. Amen. I have a question on this. Amen. I guess Go this, ahead. Is, this is to touch on the, the first part of the study. As we dig deep into the Bible, <clears throat> how, how do we um, not fall into the trap or the approach of the allegorical approach as of taking <coughs> In the secondary meaning of the parable for the primary meaning because sometimes as preachers you know i see i see that um they take the secondary meaning or something that may be deeper than the actual what the actual meaning so how do we not fall into that approach but take the primary meaning as the primary meaning and you know see that that's what jesus is trying to teach not 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 nullifying the second, the possible second meaning, yeah, but sometimes the second meaning can overpower the primary. So how do we not fall into that? Wherever possible, I go be I go by how Ellen G. White presents it. What meaning did she focus on? I go with that. 
that's uh, just me. I've uh, gone through grad school, so I know what it means to <laughs> go into research, and I know how, 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 how big a trap that can be. So I've decided that the safest way for me is the way that she presents it. For example, the prodigal son. What does she focus on when she's talking about the prodigal son? Okay. Uh, you know, a lot of us focus on the, you know, the, the uh, and, and, you know, there's, there's validity in understanding the setting of the story of the prodigal son. Okay, the setting. Uh, but remember, the message of the prodigal son is simply this. That you are not lost unless you choose to be lost. That is it. That's the message we should be giving anyone who thinks that they are in the pigsty. And that remind them, you can still be saved in the pigsty. But to be saved, you've got to be extricated out of the pigsty. So that's that's how I normally go, Mike. Anyone else? I mean, that's with me. You know, me and uh, me, I just, the Bible and the Spirit of Prophecy. Yeah, that's, those are my two <laughs> pillars. <laughs> one shoulder pad on the ear, one shoulder pad here. That's, that's who I run with. And I've uh, found myself to be in uh, good stead by doing that. Thank you. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of folks. Uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, great research has been done on this. Okay, but that should. Uh, you know, archaeology, uh, research into the, the, the wordings, you know, the phrases, the, 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 the two meaning of the phrases, you know, the original context. That is only to put us where Jesus was when he was telling this. Okay? Uh, and I have fallen down the track. By understanding the context, I'm teaching the the context of the parable more than the, the, the real theme of the parable of Jesus. Right? I'm teaching, you know, the, the custom here, the, uh, I mean, for example, like the prodigal son is a great, right? The prodigal son is set in, in Eastern culture. And we know that the eldest gets a bigger share of, of the, of, of, of the, uh, you know, when the father dies, the older one gets the bigger share. I, th I believe it's, I think it's two times, so it's two, like two thirds and one third, I think it's something, something like that. Right? But he gets the bigger share, and so we fall into trying to understand that, and you know, and so forth, uh, and then go into the the, the the elder brother and say, you know, even though he had a bigger share, he's still he's, he's still decrying what this. But folks, remember the point here is forgiveness. Forgiveness. The father forgave. Elder brother needed to forgive so that he can enjoy fully is two-thirds of the share. Other than that, he will be just as bad as this guy, even if he's the one-third. In fact, he'll be twice as bad as him. He, he got as bad with the one-third, he's going to be worse with the two-thirds if he doesn't learn to forgive. The key is forgiveness. How did I know this? Just by studying LNG wise, right? Makes sense, huh? Makes sense. I, 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 you know, whenever... Whenever she's quiet, man, I'm quiet. I, I dare not go where, you know, I know a lot of folks, are, they, may, they may think that they're braver than me. I have another word for it, but I won't say it. You know, 
going down the path of reality, what is quietness, is silent. There's a reason that God chose someone who only went as high as the fourth grade to be our prophetess. There's room for academics, there's room for research, there's room for knowledge, there's room for scholarship, but it doesn't outdo the leading of the Holy Spirit. The leading of the Holy Spirit is, as we found today, the truth. Jesus is the truth. God's word is the truth. The Holy Spirit is the truth. All three are truth. All three represent the truth. If you go with any other thing other than those three, you uh, may not, not be in the truth. Because the Bible clearly defines these three as the truth. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth. Jesus said again, sanctify them with the truth. Thy word is truth. Spring to the Father. And then thirdly, in 1 John 5, 6. Spirit is the truth. These three work together. Any other question? There are other comments. Great question there, Mike. Great question. Okay, I know you came a little bit late, so uh, did, did anything that we say not make sense? Maybe because you missed the ad or did it? And uh, I'll send you the notes and feel free to go through it. And if you have any questions, let me know. Eh? Okay, thank you. I know you were always busy, so no problems at all. Thank you. Carol and Chad, any questions? Um, we're, we're good. My mom just, okay. yeah, good. She's, she's doing good. Sis Laurie, any questions, concerns? I understand, thank you. Alrighty, good. Okay, folks, uh, let's end with a word of prayer. Um, Keller, why don't you close with a word of prayer, sis? Lord, thank you so much for your word of truth. Um, that the light that it is in our lives, we pray, Lord, that we would not choose to not be saved, but to respond to your cause of love and um, to realize the truth, how much you love us, Lord, and how much you desire uh, what's best for us, Lord. And we pray that we will keep our focus not on the things of this world, but on you, Lord first and foremost, so that we will live accordingly uh, and be the instruments uh, that you designed us to be, uh, to show your love through to those we come in contact with, Lord. And we pray for wisdom. Um, and we ask for forgiveness, Lord, where we've um, got distracted or lost our focus, Lord, but we ask that you will keep us, uh, continue to work in our lives. And Lord, um, we desire and choose to give our hearts to you and to fully surrender to you, Lord. So we thank you and we continue to look forward to being with you soon. These things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless everyone. Stay safe. Thank you. Bye, everybody. Have a good Bye. week. Happy Sabbath. Have a good week. Bye. Bye. See you guys. Okay.
chatted on to you. Come Thank back. you. Thank you. Okay. Goodbye to everybody. Bye. Thank you for stopping by the Chat Show podcast. I hope you enjoyed today's program. Please remember to come back for more interviews, programs, music, and others that you might enjoy. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast or YouTube channel of Chat Show. And I hope you have a great day in the Lord. Aloha.